Praise God. Brother Hanson, Sister Hanson, thank you for being with us. Lord bless you. Let's give him a hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, it's flowing here tonight, isn't it? Yeah. You open up and God meets you. He, he does more than his share. But it's a weird thing. There's always a balance to it. It's so good to be with you. Thank you for being so kind. Thank you again, Brother and Sister Sostrand, for inviting us for the basket that we can't even begin to make a dent in. But I'm trying on the chocolate. I'm trying to make that go away. That local chocolate candy is some good stuff. Uh, I, I've... I feel like saying this again to you today, somehow uh, it's been a little different for me this time ministering to you because this is my first time here. And what God has chosen to say to you tells me a lot about you. And today I want to talk to you about some spiritual warfare that's probably some of the toughest spiritual warfare that you'll ever do. But it might surprise you. And uh, I'm going to I have a few slides and I guess I'll just give you a thumbs up when we need to go to the next slide but I want to talk about if they only knew in the last year many of you have experienced more than the normal amount of funerals and as a pastor you you get to go through a lot of funerals and it, it makes you see things from a little different perspective because you're there in the hospital and you're there when the family's dealing with things and you see the life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. And what gets me is at these funerals, people say the nicest things. Oh, they were such a happy person. Oh, I just love to spend time with them. They were just, the their sense of humor was just so good. And, and sometimes I'm standing there saying, why didn't you ever say that when they were alive? Because I heard some things that you said about them when they were alive that didn't sound anything like you're saying now that they're dead. But it's safer to talk about dead people. Absolutely. If they're dead, then I can say nice things and I'm not afraid they're going to get a big head about it. And I don't, I don't ever have to worry about them bringing that back to me. Remember when you said that? Because they're dead. So I'm free to just say good things about them. What if, what if some of these people that have passed on really knew how much people loved them before they passed on? What would have been the, the quality of life that they would have had? How much nicer Thanksgiving dinner would have been if everybody had said nice things to each other? Gone out of their way to say nice things. Strained at saying nice things to one another. I didn't really fully appreciate my parents until I grew up and can I get an amen how many of you didn't never yeah I remember my mom uh, my, I have four siblings so there's five of us kids and I remember times when we would all be eating like pork chops and my mom would be eating scrambled hamburger and I always just thought she didn't like pork chops but as I grew up I found out we didn't really have enough money for all those pork chops so she'd eat the scrambled hamburger while we ate the pork chops there were, there were times my parents didn't buy very much stuff and we just thought they were cheap, but they had five kids was the problem. They just didn't have enough money to go around. I didn't appreciate that about them. What if I had only appreciated them a little bit? Tonight, I, it's, it's already been mentioned, we are going to take authority over some spirits in this last day. The church is going to be victorious, but it's a little bit of a, of a I guess, a mirage or something I think the most insidious spirits the ugliest the meanest the most powerful spirits are usually the ones that are disguised as not too big of a deal and I think one of the biggest things that the church is going to crack in this last day is that spirit that says I'm going to do my own thing and I'm not going to submit to anybody it's my body, it's my life, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Yeah. That kind of a spirit. I, I love what we just did. We just praised, we just, we just 
stomped on the devil. We just sent a lot of things out of this room. And, and that's because God is setting you up for some of the toughest warfare you'll ever get. And He's going to go into your innermost spirit today. And He's going to give you an opportunity to overcome some things that could take you out that you don't even know would take you out. Like, Pastor, just be, he's just irritating me lately. Why isn't he taking care of that situation over there? Why is he? That, that may seem like the smallest thing. It's like you got witchcraft over here, and that's scary. But over here, somebody just questioning the pastor, that's no big deal. I would, I would beg to differ that it's flopped. Witchcraft is no big deal. You can cast the devil out. Yeah. When someone gets an attitude with their shepherd, there's no helping them. Amen. That's the more dangerous spirit. Yeah. And I feel like God, God is coming to you tonight and going to give you an opportunity. He's trusting you to, to take hold anything that's in this church that would keep it from being a unified, submitted Hallelujah. church. The devil's not afraid of worship. The devil's not afraid of power, as you've probably heard people preach. He's afraid of authority. He doesn't care if you're casting out devils. He doesn't care if, if you uh, get up and, uh, you know, act tough. Uh, because if you really don't submit to God and to spiritual authority, you're just a big mouth. You might be saying in Jesus' name and you might be praising God, but, but you can just mew at Him when you're under submission and He'll flee from you. If, if we have churches in this last day, it's going to be black and white. The, the, the world is going to more and more say, we hate authority. We're going to kill authority, in fact. We're going to do everything to tear down authority. And the church is going to move the other way, back to Acts kind of authority and say, no, it's here and repeat, like I said this morning. So I just blew my cover. Anybody who doesn't like where we're going today, you're welcome to check out. But I think, I think God trusts you enough. And if you'll pray and just ask God, this is going to be a little different like it was this morning. I don't even know why he's having me do this because uh, I'm not an old friend of this church. But I'm an old friend of God and evidently you are too. And he wants to say this to you. So would you pray with me and ask him to anoint this. God, I pray that you would move tonight in this meeting. I pray, Lord, that you would open eyes. I pray, God, that understanding would come. I pray there would be revelation in people's minds and in their spirits. I pray you would give this church a strength and a unity that it's never had before. I pray you would come and undergird the authority that's in this church. And you would make it a powerhouse in this region to overcome principalities and powers. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. First of all, if we could go to the next slide. I'm just wondering, what if the people out there knew that God really loved them? And this is something we can agree on, so don't get defensive with me yet, okay? We can all agree on this. Uh, that world is, is so big. The, the sea is so big and my ship is so small. You think you have it bad. Your neighbor who doesn't know God, your neighbor who doesn't even know if there is a God, your neighbor who has no hope in anything, he's been taught he came from some, some big bang somewhere, he, he doesn't even have what you have. This world's dark and it's rough. If only they knew how much Jesus loved them. They wonder why you come on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night. If only they knew what you felt as you sat in that, that pew. If only they saw you, you've seen one another go through things. And then you've seen God touch one another in services. And you've seen God save marriages before your very eyes. You have seen God and maybe even angels, some of you. And, and it's an amazing thing. But think about it. Some of your neighbors don't even really know if miracles still happen. Some of your neighbors have never even seen a miracle. If they only knew, if we could somehow help them know what we have and what God has for them. Some of them don't even believe in angels unless it's a, a new age angel. They believe in crystals and they believe in uh, yoga and they believe in all kinds of stuff like that. But, but talking in tongues, that, that, that's going a little too far. And uh, if only they knew. I think we can all agree on that. We want all of this region to know about the love of God. If only they knew. But the second people that I'm, I'm wondering, if we go to the next slide, if only they knew is you. 
I'm wondering how many of you here today, because of the onslaught of the enemy, because of his nya, 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 you're, you're at the bat, and what's he doing? And you don't even realize it sometimes, but you start believing him. Yeah, I struck out last time. I'm going to strike out. The, uh, you know, my problem. I don't even know why I play this game. If you only knew how much this man, this woman, and, and the people who lead your classes pray for you. If you only knew the times they get up in the middle of the night or they get up and, and they're having their prayer time and, and they don't even have time to pray about their needs because they're calling your name in prayer. I, I think one of the reasons God sent me here to say this is because I can say some things your pastor can't say. Or he could say them, but he probably won't say them. I can tell you as a pastor... By the time I talk with anybody in my congregation about an issue that has any kind of major bearing, I have prayed about that more than they have prayed about it. They don't know it. But I had dozens, it's been days or weeks sometimes, and I, my, I knew something was wrong and it felt like I needed to do something, but no, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to wait for a segue. If, if they only knew that every time me, as a pastor, I come to them to say something to them, if they only knew that I had their best interest at heart, that I have prayed, that I care about their soul, maybe they would receive it a little bit different if they only knew. Now, you might know that, but I think a lot of people don't. If, if you only knew how much you matter to this church. I said it a little bit this morning about the hoses. For those of you who weren't in here, I talked about how if this is a swimming pool and we wanted to fill it up, we could put one hose in there, the preacher could fill it up. Or if everybody began moving in the Holy Ghost and letting the Holy Ghost flow, we'd have a hundred hoses filling this place up. If you only knew that... When some days you've gotten up and you praise God, you didn't even realize it. But when you started praising God, Sister Susie started praising God. And before you know it, Brother, Brother John started praising God. And then a whole family that came to church mad, about to tear each other's hair out, they leave happy. Hallelujah. Because you've influenced. Yeah. If, you, if, if the Holy Ghost could pull back the curtain and you could see how you influence, yes. it probably shut the mouth of that Enemy, Adabada, Adabada, Adabada guy, you just glare at him and say, Get out of my face, you idiot. I am important to the kingdom of God. I've been called. I've been chosen. I, I'm somebody. If you only, I don't think most of you know that. I think the enemy, I think this is a big, big thing. The enemy has so intimidated people. And I don't mean even the, the really intimidating stuff, the LGBTQ and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just getting in your face and saying, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser. Just making you feel like you're not spiritual. Just making you feel like, just because you felt a spirit come on you, you take ownership of it and feel like something's wrong with you. If you only knew that the giant that you're facing right now, the reason you see him so big is so you can throw your rock at him. But most of us, when we see a giant, it's like, oh no, I'm a goner. I, what did I do wrong? Oh no, this is a problem in my life. God, is, God shows us giants so we can sling our little slingshot at that giant. And so he can do his big work. If you only knew. If you only knew how big of a blessing you are. I, I don't know if your brain works like mine. But when I go to a place like Walmart... Or we went out to eat today at Texas Roadhouse. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me is how kind your pastor and his wife are to the, the waitresses. Um, because the waitresses are very important. Now they may not get paid as much as the guy in the back who's pushing the pencil and figuring all, you know, the manager, that kind of thing. But if you didn't have a waitress, you really wouldn't have a restaurant. If you go to Walmart... Maybe the person at the front door, or maybe the person who's checking you out is only making minimum wage. But they're important to that store. Because you might have a CFO that's got, you know, a, a jag and he's got a yacht and all that kind of stuff. And, and he works in the background somewhere. But if that CFO didn't have 100 or 200 clerks out there, he wouldn't have any money. And what I'm saying is in this 
place. You might only usher. You might only clean the toilets. You might only every once in a while help out with sound or something like that. You might not even do any physical thing here at the church. You just show up faithfully on a regular basis. You just go to the prayer room. You just pray for your pastor every once in a while. If you only knew, one of these days when we go to heaven, we're not just going to see uh, this picture of our life and everything we've done wrong. If, if our sins are under the blood, what he's going to show you is you were faithful here and you touched the life over here and you changed a service over here and it was because of your faithfulness that that building was built and that that was maintained you are important so today I'm coming against the most insidious devil of all and that's the one in your head and mine that tells us I'm bad or I don't know if I can trust them the enemy doesn't want us to think about all those things. In fact, sometimes we almost feel like it's arrogant to think we're special. So help me with this. Turn to somebody and, and muster all the honesty you can. Look them in the face and say, you're a special person. So only if the world knew. We can look at the world and say only if they knew they'd be here. But I can look around at a congregation and say, if, if everybody here only knew how much Jesus loved them and how much other people in the church loved them and how much brothers and sisters prayed for them and how important they were to the body, they wouldn't ever think twice about skipping church because they're an important part of what's happening here. But the biggie that I come to today is, what if your leaders only knew how much you appreciated them? Aren't you glad for this lighthouse? Aren't you glad for a church that stands for truth? Have you noticed the lighthouses are going away? Have you noticed there's fewer and fewer churches that really stand up for anything? Let me give you a quick example. There's a guy in, in Connecticut who's rented a church. And it's from a, a denomination that has embraced everything that's come along over the years in order to be uh, open-armed. And the more that they've embraced, the more their congregation has dwindled. They, they try to believe everything to get more people, and since they don't believe anything, they lose people. And so this guy, he was, he was a pastor of one denomination. He was married to a, a woman who was a pastor, a, a licensed minister in another organization. And between the two of them, they were pastoring three churches of a third denomination just trying to keep things alive and the particular church that he is renting to one of our Pentecostal pastors has five people in it now. Well, our Pentecostal pastor's church is larger in the rented facility than the man who pastors that church and uh, so they spend some time getting to know each other and one day they were sitting in the office and that the denominal pastor was over there in his seat the Pentecostal pastor was just, you know, shooting the breeze. And the denominal pastor said, let's go get a blanking beer. And he said, what? He said, yeah, let's, let's go get a beer. He said, uh, you know, there's been so much pressure in my life. Uh, me, I, I, I got another preacher friend. And what we like to do is we like to go downtown Hartford. And there's this seedy little joint. And we go get, uh, uh, I go get some scotch. I like scotch. And I get a stogie. And we just sit there and we just kind of, you know, relax a little bit. Aren't you glad that your preacher wasn't that lazy over the years? Do you know how hard it is to stand up against all of the things that our society is trying to get us to change in what we believe? You know how hard it is to stand up against people you love who are coming and saying, do I have to do this to be in the choir? Do I have to do this to be in the choir? And, and, and you just have to take this to my boss if I'm out of place here because I, like I said, I don't know you very well. But I, I believe that God has a, enough people in this church to rise up in the last day in the ugliest culture that we've ever seen and be the brightest star that Newark has ever had. 
The glory days of this church aren't back whenever you built this congregate, this, this auditorium or something like this. The glory days of this church are yet to come. You, you rising up and taking authority over some of these things is, is what's going to break this thing. So I'd like to just point out what the scripture says. If we can go to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now, let me read that from the Amplified. Remember your leaders and superiors in authority, for it was they who brought to you the word of God. Observe attentively and consider their manner of living, the outcome of their well-spent lives, and imitate their faith, their conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ, and their leaning of the entire human personality of God on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. If anyone in this room just even on a human basis, you can't see the people's heart. But if there's anybody in this room who has seen the character of Christ in Brother and Sister Soulstrand, I wonder if you'd just clap right now. Now, that's not flying too well in our society today. Who do they think they are? Telling us what to do. Who do they think they are setting boundaries? Who, who do they think they are telling us what standards would be in a church? I'm here to say this. It's not time for us to back up and back up and back up until we just have five people and our preachers are going to get a drink to, to calm their nerves. It's time for some real Christians to stand up and say, no, this isn't old-fashioned. This is not prudish. We're not hanging on to just historical things. It's not like we just can't change our, our, our styles or whatever. We believe in authority. We believe in the kingdom of God. And we're going to see God do amazing things. But he's going to do it through authority. Not through major talent. He's going to do it through authority. Not through people who can just act like they're Pentecostal. You can jig all over this place. You, you, can, you can do anything you want to look Pentecostal. But if you don't have it in your heart. I believe this church. I believe God is trusting you. I believe God has looked for churches that, that he, he could actually have someone say this to. I couldn't say this in every church. I don't know. I might not get away with it here. I might find out. <laughs> if they write you a bunch of letters this week, feel free not to share them with me. All right? <laughs> Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have rule over you. Now that's, that sounds like an outdated book. It sounds like a book that wouldn't, we couldn't teach that in our schools today. Obey them that have rule over you and submit, would you say submit, submit. yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. The Amplified again says, Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them continually recognizing their authority over you. For they're constantly keeping watch over your souls, guarding your spiritual warfare, as men who will have to render an account of their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness, and not with sighing and groaning, for that would not be profitable to you either. I can tell you as a pastor and a pastor's wife, there's a lot of groaning that goes on. When you try to do the will of God, and flesh refuses to submit. I am so thankful for pastors, and I sense it in, in the Soulstrand spirit. I'm so thankful for men and women, uh, like Brother Soulstrand said, that want revival, but who have the guts to stand up for truth in our day. Moses had the problem that most pastors have. Moses, every time he turned around, his board wanted to get rid of him. He had church splits. It got so bad that when Korah came and mouthed off and God opened the ground up and swallowed Korah. Now, if I saw 200 people go down a hole, I would maybe get an attitude change. But not, not Moses' church. Moses' church is, how come you did that, God? How come you let them be swallowed like that? They, didn't, they still even didn't get a clue. Right. Poor Moses, I understand why he hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock at the end of his life. But I don't feel like 
This church has that attitude. I feel like what God wants to do is kind of open your eyes to this. If, if anybody ever just starts complaining about things like Cora did, you know, it could be an elder. Oh, you know, pastor, he's doing this new building program, and I just don't think in this economy we ought to do that. It, just, just that little thing right there, that doesn't seem like very much. But if God has told him, if God has given direction, if God is trying to do something, that little spirit, that's more devilish than the lady that's doing the seance across the street. So, I'd like us... Again, I'm going to blow my cover. By the time we're done here today, I'd like for you to recommit and realign yourself with your spiritual authority. And that this is going to be the most blowout service we've ever had. We've already had great worship. But if, if the, the majority of people in this room right here can make sure there is nothing between them and God and nothing between them and the people who are leading them, there is no telling what God can do with this congregation. Yeah. Yes. And just to help you get a little bit more perspective, I've, I've, I've asked my wife to come. My, my wife has been a pastor's wife for 25 years now. She is the daughter of a, of a pastor. So she's been in this her whole life. And every once in a while, you need to hear from the perspective of a pastor's wife because Sister Solstrand is not going to get up and say this kind of stuff either. And... Uh, I've asked her just to share with you, from the pastor's wife's perspective, what helps her. Because I think there's some people in this room who would like to help your pastor's wife. You might just not always know how to do that. Would you welcome my wife as she comes? Thank you. So we all know that behind every great man there is an even greater woman. Amen? <laughs> Being a pastor's wife is something I never attained to, and I never thought that I would be in this position. I was happy just to be a Sunday school teacher or whatever else God wanted me to be. But God promoted me, and I, I feel like it's an honor, it's a privilege to be able to be a leader and influence people for good and for God. It has its challenges though, especially as a pastor's wife. Something you may not know is people are much more free to express their feelings to a pastor's wife than they would ever be to their pastor. It's like sometimes we're a little more free with our mother to say how we really feel than we are with our father. And that's just part of the experience of being a pastor's wife. Um, the things that have helped me though, the things that really encourage me and give me motive to go forward are the people that I know are praying for me. The people that in private come and say, uh, Sister Hanson, I just want you to know I was thinking of you the other day in my prayer time, and I just pray for you, and God put some things on my heart specifically to pray for you, and I just want you to know I'm with you, and I'm supporting you, and I love you, and I pray for you. I would rather have someone pray for me than give me gifts every day, because those are the things that help me to, to be what God wants me to be. And beyond that, what speaks to me is seeing you come in support. The things that, that God puts on a pastor's wife or people and leaders in your church to organize classes, events. If no one shows up to those events, it is disheartening. It is hard to um, go to the next one. <laughs> And I'm sure none of you do that. That's just like some church somewhere. Some of the congregation is like that. But I think um, the thing that I envision and I dream of and I pray for is everyone linking arms together 
and going forward in the kingdom of God. And we leave behind all of our own desires, all of our own dreams, and we catch hold of what God is desiring and God is dreaming of. And my, my hope is to see that someday every single person in our congregations linking arms with the leaders and saying, let's go forward. Let's accomplish what the kingdom needs mm -hmm. for us to accomplish. Let's just go. I'm with you. I've got your back. I've got beside you. I'm, I'm following you. And whatever God tells you to do, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I'm going with you. And I'm sure God has the same desire. He's waiting for his church to rise up and say, let's go forward. The kingdom harvest is there. Let's just lay everything aside, every yeah. weight that would beset us, and let's go into the harvest field, and let's link arms and go together, and we will reap this glorious harvest that God has prepared for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I have here on the, the steps 80 cards. They're blank. And I'm going to ask 80 people or maybe 160 people, however it works out, to, to do one of the hardest, most spiritual things you'll ever do and move some words around on paper. And just say the right thing to somebody. You know, we can, we can rebuke the devil, all this violence in America, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And then we go home and yell at our kids. Well, that's violence. When was the last time you said to your children, you're important to me, even though your room's a mess. I love you and you're important to me. Absolutely. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read an article in just a minute. And while I'm reading that article, I want to challenge... 80 households to come get a card. And I'm going to challenge, if, if you're not married, your household. But if you're married, just take one card for the house. And before you leave this room tonight, I'm going to ask each one of you to write a couple of sentences on that card. The husband on one side, the wife on the other side if you're married. If the kids want to write on the back or something like they can. To brother and sister Solstrand. And, uh, uh, again, I can't help it if, if I, I keep feeling like I'm apologizing and I don't think it's because it, you're resisting me in any way. I think the enemy doesn't want us to do this kind of thing. Amen. He doesn't want us to compliment one another. He wants us to go home talking about one another. Yeah. It's a lot, it's, it's oh, any wimp, any idiot can complain. But very few people can look somebody else in the eye nowadays and give them an honest compliment. To look at... To look right at him and say, you know, your faithfulness really blesses my life. How, how long has it been since you did, did that just spontaneously with somebody else in this room? So this, this is just an example. We're going to do this before we leave. But this is something that I, I'm praying that maybe over the next little bit you do for the person who leads your Sunday school class. You do for the person who leads your choir or whatever. I don't even know the structure of this church. I don't know who's in what position, so that's, that's kind of a helpful thing. I'm not, I don't have a dog in the fight. But if everyone in this room, I talked about being a spring this morning, and, and when we think of that sometimes, we're thinking about people coming out of wheelchairs. But a greater miracle than someone coming out of a wheelchair is when you have this many people getting along, this many people and nobody complaining, this many people having a, having a right spirit. That is a miracle. When you can come into a a, a, a place like this, when our world, like your pastor said this morning, everybody's mad at everything, but we come in here and there's unity. We come in here, there's love. How does that happen? Because someone does the hard thing of saying a kind word to somebody instead of just complaining. Uh, it, it's the first thing we think about. Like, if, if we don't like something, we'll send an email about what's wrong. But when's the last time you just got all worked up and sent an email about what's right? Yeah. I'm talking about spiritual, I'm talking about revival. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. Right, right. So, I, I'm going to, in a minute, read an article that talks about what I believe this church is and what I believe your pastor is. And if you'll listen as you come and get these things, I think it might give you a little bit of uh, fodder, a few thoughts. 
So by the time you leave this place, you can have come and, and brought these notes back to your pastor and his wife. Uh, I'm not asking you to do it throughout the week because you might be a procrastinator. I'm, I'm asking us right here to do a spiritual thing and speak into the life of our pastor's wife and our pastor and say some things what if they probably don't even realize how much you appreciate them. They probably have no clue because they're, they're in the front and they're feeling the enemy and the enemy is bombarding them and telling them they're doing everything wrong. There's not a day that goes by, not a Sunday that goes by where even if all the church people are happy, the enemy is telling them, you messed that one up or you didn't treat them right or so-and-so is missing and, and it's because you did this and they're being pummeled and pummeled and pummeled. And, and when God can turn you loose as a spring and send a note that week to them saying, hey, pastor, you changed my life this week. I, I, you, you mean so much to me. I appreciate that. I saw you do that, and it means so much to me. So, if you'd help me with this, I know this is very unusual and very difficult, and in fact, if I, if I had any brains, I would have taken off with, with the great worship that happened and just preached you a, a good, upbeat sermon. But I, I really believe this is a huge thing that God wants to do in, in this congregation. I believe He trusts you. So, would you stand with me? And I'm going to read this article. And while I'm reading this article, if one person from the family would come get a, a card, and there's an envelope to go with it un, under the pile, but there's, there's 80 of them here, so there's uh, lots of piles, so nobody has to touch each other. If you just kind of come up here and grab it and go back to your seat, you might have to bum a pen off somebody. But I'm going to begin to read this, and if you can walk and chew gum at the same time, we'll be in good shape here. The article that I wrote is called Floating Lighthouses. After a storm in late January of this year, a 19th century schooner washed up on the beach of Wellfeet, Massachusetts. Being one of the larger wrecks to appear in the last 10 years, it serves as a gruesome reminder of the dangerous waters surrounding Cape Cod. According to several Boston news programs, between 1850 and 1980, there are more than 3,500 shipwrecks in the waters of Cape Cod. In fact, so many ships have piled up on the hidden sandbars of the coast between Chatham and Provincetown that those 50 miles of sea have been called an ocean graveyard. Now, well-proven deterrent to shipwrecks is the simple but effective lighthouse. The oldest lighthouse in America is on Brewster Island in Boston Harbor. It has doubtless saved thousands of lives. Since 1716, Boston Light has never moved and has done one very simple thing. It has declared the shoreline. Still, today, Boston Light's 98-foot tower flashes its 1.75 million candle power beacon every 10 seconds, and it's visible for 27 miles. The lighthouse is the last remaining manned station in the United States. The lighthouses are points of reference. They're lifesavers. Their authority is powerfully validated when they're foolishly ignored. They're respected because they tell the truth about where the shoreline is. They don't make the shoreline. They just declare the boundary to the sailor. And one of the cruelest deeds that one could ever perpetrate on a sailor is to move a lighthouse. Worse yet, would be to set that lighthouse afloat, creating a beacon that moved with the tides or relocated at the whim of the ocean current. An unanchored floating lighthouse would be a weapon of mass destruction. There are some great immovable moral shorelines created by God. These are moral laws that cannot be ignored without serious repercussions. Nobody can change them.
Millions have arrogantly ignored God's moral laws only to crash against the natural consequences of such laws. In His love, God has appointed lighthouses designed to spare the average sailor such demise. His lighthouses include the Bible, governments, parents, and churches. One of the cruelest deeds that could be perpetrated upon our culture, especially our children, would be to move the moral lighthouses, to change our morals. To change our values, to match the latest trends or currents. You'll notice that the consistent dumbing down of American morals has resulted in thousands of tragic and bizarre headlines describing shipwrecks that include mass shootings, baby killings, cannibalism, teacher-student scandals, abuse, and the rampant meltdowns of the rich and the famous. Where are our lighthouses? Have they been extinguished by the fear of not being politically correct? Do we actually believe that if we say the dangerous rocks are no longer there that they won't cause the ships to wreck? Does moving the lighthouse move the shoreline? Of course not. Saying something is right does not make it right. For the record, the shoreline has not moved. Please be advised, it has been and always will be wrong to murder, to have sex outside of marriage, to lie, to abuse your body, to dishonor your parents. True love, faithfulness to your spouse and children and hard work have always been and will continue, continue to be the real keys to a good family life. Selflessness, righteousness, and gentleness are still better friends than selfishness, sin, and hatred. Our enlightened world thinks it has invented new morals. The problem is they don't have the authority to do so. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Romans 1.22. Their enlightenment is nothing more than a floating lighthouse. It is worse than no lighthouse at all because their floating light is often trusted, directing more unsuspecting sailors to their inevitable destruction. Thank God for all you teachers and parents and pastors and bosses and neighbors and other influencers who have refused to move your lighthouses in response to other influencers and who have, who have stood against the politically correct crowd. You may tire of holding fast in the storm, but that is when you are needed the most. Don't move. Stay bright. The coastline can be brutal, but your consistent moral beacon will make all the difference in the life of some young sailor. Again, let me just say, I believe this is a very spiritual thing we're about to do. And if, if Sister Solstrand doesn't mind coming over here and sitting with or standing with her husband, just right there where you're at is fine. In just a minute, I'd like my, to invite my wife back up to the platform. And, and I wonder, if Bishop and Sister Solstrand, could you come up and help with this? I'd like us to pray for Brother and Sister Solstrand. Again, I, they have not shared anything with me, and it, it just, like I've told you, I've wrestled over even bringing this sermon because it didn't make sense to me. But God is doing something here, and I know you trust them, and I know you love them, but if you don't notice how the enemy can just get in his little wedge here and there, then that, little, that insidious spirit will come and drive a wedge and keep a, a church from being as great as it can be. And so this little card that you write should be the first of many. Because we need to say it again and again. I appreciate you. I love you. I'm with you. We don't say it anymore. We tweet things. We, we, we send them a picture of our hamburger. But we don't ever say we love you. Or if we do, it's a selfie. Here I am loving you. Somebody needs to look them in the eye. And, and when you find yourself a little irritated with leadership, that's when you need to ask yourself, am I just yapping about being a spiritual war, warrior, or am I going to take authority over something like that? We like to 
We like to rave against the bars and the strip clubs because you and I don't go close to them. Those aren't our issues. So that's not something most of you need to overcome. But a bad attitude, a lack of submission, a little crosswise, oh, they changed the time. I ain't going to even bother going because they changed the time. They should know better than that. That little attitude, that's what keeps God from taking his people where they need to go. So let me say it one more time. God, I'm trying to say what God is saying. God is not angry with anybody. God, God is respecting you. God is saying, I think I found a group of people who can beat this thing. I think I found a people that even in this day and age, when, when the whole culture seems to be caving in, they can still have a godly culture. They can still have a submitted culture. They can still hold to the morals and values that I put. They, they can still have men and women who move in the spirit and, and they're followed wherever they go in the spirit. That's huge. Churches are falling right and left because they're caving into these spirits. This, this anti-authoritarianism. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. But God's found a group of people that he trusts. So if you, if you folks wouldn't mind coming standing behind them, my wife would come and stand in front of them. Because of COVID, we're going to be careful. And, and I'm going to ask brother and sister, elder and sister Solstrand to stand behind. But in fact, if you could take maybe two steps forward, just stand behind them and lay your hands on them. And I, again, we haven't talked. I don't know what they're struggling with. But we need to pray right now that if, if there's anything that the enemy is using, if he's used any voice, if he's used any feeling, if, he's, if there's a spirit that's just nagging them saying, it's about time to turn it over, you're not doing a very good job, you're getting too old for this or something like that. I hope not because we're the same age. Uh, <laughs> but that's spiritual warfare. I keep coming back to this. I, I need to say this again. We, we get ooky spooky about spiritual warfare sometimes. Oh, I'm going to cast out devils. I'm going to pray all night long. I'm gonna, fear came in the room. And, and it, I, it's happened to me. Fear has come in the room. But, but uh, fear is not as, as insidious. It's not, uh, fear won't tear a church apart. But a little resistance will. Just a little attitude here. Just feeling a little free to express yourself. Everybody now is free to express themselves. They tweet whatever they want. And, and we're getting to where we have no filters anymore. We'll just say whatever we want to say. And, and spiritual warfare is not saying whatever you want to say and choosing to say the things that need to be said. And so when you write out these cards, I'm believing, brother and sister, soul strand, to take those to heart and let those words that you, you allow God to flow through you as a spring, as you write down those words, as you give them what God is having you give them, those words are going to go to their heart and they're going to put them on as armor and they're going to use them to fight back against the things because the enemy has come against us in a greater measure. The, the, way, the way the church is going to be bigger and better than it's ever been is it's going to buck winds that are stronger than it's ever been. We're coming against giants that are bigger than they've ever been. And they're only human. If they don't have you praying, if they, like my wife said, if they don't have you speaking for them, saying the right thing, voicing the things, not like Korah, not like Miriam, not like poor, poor Moses. Uh, he couldn't get anybody to help him except for Joshua and Caleb. But I believe there's dozens of Joshua's and Caleb's right here in this room. So when we lay hands on them, I'm going to ask you just to hold your hands out like this to them. And if you've ever done spiritual warfare, you need to pray for them. And you need to ask God to, to cover them and to break any kind of thing that they're dealing with. If they're going to sleep every night dealing with a spirit that's nagging them, your prayer could make a difference right now. Would you pray for them right now? I'd like my wife to come. Lift your hands right now toward brother and sister so strange. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I come against everything that has come against this church in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Any kind of doubt. Any kind of unrest. 
any words that have been spoken, any anything of flesh, anything of spirit that would keep this church from being everything you've called it to be. I pray, Lord, for a refreshing in their spirits right now. Refresh them, God. Give them power, give them courage, give them confidence. It's from heaven. Give them a unity, arm in arm, Lord, with this congregation, with every leader. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Did you feel that power and the spirit? God is pleased with this. If, if we could close like we opened to go back to praising God. We just, did, uh, we just did some major spiritual warfare right there. And I'd like for you, if you would, as an act of praise, to begin bringing these... These notes back and just laying them at Brother Solstrand's feet as he, as he sits back down over here. Thank you, Brother, Sister, Elder, Bishop, so I don't know what they refer to you as Bishop Solstrand. Uh, the rest of you, if you'd like to be seated and, and fill out the card, you're welcome to. But as Sister Solstrand leads us in, in worship, forgive me if I was out of the box tonight. But, but I really believe that I'm going to hear good reports from this congregation. The unity... They're taking authority over things that, that, that God's going to do. And if you'll let God right now, through your pen, just fill your, your note up. You will be just as much a spring as the guy who lays his hands on the lame and they walk again. And if you'll, over the next little while, be aware of maybe even your brother or your sister or your, this is a tough one, your wife or your husband. When was the last time you looked at your wife and said, you are the most important person in my life and I love you more than anybody or I value you or name something about them that you value. We, we say so few of those wonderful things to the people we know. We say that to smooth the guy at work that's going to give us a raise. But if we want victory in the home, that's spiritual Victory. That's spiritual warfare. If you will, over the next little while, just kind of be aware of this thought. God is going to flow through you as a stream, through words, a little note here, a little, a, a little gift here, a compliment to their face over here. And God letting the words of life go back into them. Give them authority over the things that are bothering them. Would you sing and would you worship by coming and bringing your gifts of words.